Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first day of spring and the National Ag Day publication of the Ag News Daily Podcast. I'm Mike Pearson, and joining me is my co-host, Delaney Howell. Delaney, how are you? Good, but it's snowing on the first day of spring, so I'm not too happy about that. I tell you what, I was this morning in Red Oak, Iowa, in the southwestern corner of the state. They had a fantastic uh, Chamber of Commerce celebration of ag breakfast. And, uh, you know, the, the breakfast started at 6.30 in the morning, and there was probably 200 people there. It was a great crowd, great event, and I left at about 8.30, 9 o'clock, and in Red Oak, the sun was out. It was 45, 50 degrees. I thought, wow, what a beautiful day to be out driving around in rural Iowa, and I drove north out of Red Oak, up Highway 71, to Interstate 80, where it meets with Atlantic, and as I got closer, I could tell that it looked like it was raining out in front of me. You know, it's that kind of a hazy, fog-looking thing, and I was like, eh, you know, it's going to get a little wet, so I rolled up the windows, and I pulled onto I-80, and it snowed from from Atlantic all the way to Des Moines in about a two-hour drive, and it was coming down hard, too. I guess Audubon, Western Iowa, they got like three inches of snow this morning. It's nuts. I know. It is. Absolutely insane. I don't know what the what the weather is thinking doing this to us. You know, it's ugh. hopefully, though, a lot of folks did get out today, did get to enjoy some kind of a celebration of ag. Well, so speaking of, of ag day, as I was coming up, I came through Griswold, Iowa, and passed right by the high school, and there were probably 10 antique tractors lined up. I'm guessing the uh, FFA kids had driven their tractors in to uh, celebrate Ag Day. Oh, yeah, that's fun. It was really cool. There was a beautifully restored, uh, it was either a 3020 or a 4020. They had a Ford, there was a Kubota, I can't remember what else was there. There was some some pretty heavy-duty equipment parked right there in the parking lot. We always did that at my high school, but uh, not very many kids ever drove their tractors to school. Did you take yours? I didn't, no. Oh. I think they they kind of ended that when I was still in middle school, so I didn't really get the chance to do that. Gotcha. Gotcha. See, when I was Safety in, hazard or something, I don't know. Nah. When I was in high school, we didn't, we didn't have an ag program at all, but they started it after I graduated, and I was back there two or three years ago, right around Ag Day, I suppose, and uh, <laughs> there was, I don't know, 25 or 30 tractors in the parking lot for their drive the tractor to school. I thought that was pretty cool. It is. I agree. Well, speaking of cool stuff, Delaney, is there anything interesting in the news? There is. So, obviously, right now, trade is a big deal. It's been in the news a lot lately. And Trump had, President Trump has delivered some news that he obviously wants to renegotiate some trade agreements. And with that, it's speculated that two executive orders are going to be procured here, if you will. And that is that he wants to renegotiate all existing trade agreements. And additionally, he wants to change procurement policies. So I'm thinking it means he wants to change the way things are purchased. Um, But I guess we'll see here in the coming days. But with that, obviously NAFTA is the big one right now that he wants to try and renegotiate. And I was reading an article here online. It's actually the cattle, Canadian Cattlemen's Association put this article out. If you're interested in reading it, it's a good article. And there are a few numbers in there. I thought that were pretty, uh, pretty overwhelming numbers. And that is with TPP dead now, the U.S. beef industry is losing an estimated 400,000 U.S. dollars in sales a day. 
And with the with TPP, a combination of TPP and NAFTA, that accounts for 60% of U.S. red meat exports for the U.S. So trade is obviously a big deal right now for agriculture. Oh, it is. And I'm guessing that 400000 a day in Japan, they're figuring with the lower tariff that would have come with the TPP agreement, we'd be yes. selling that much more additional beef. Right, gotcha. right. Because right now it's almost a 40% tariff that Japan imposes on U.S. beef. And I, I believe it's also Canadian beef as well. So, you know, with the renegotiation of NAFTA, we're going to gain some in that aspect, but we're not going to gain a whole lot as far as sourcing through Canada to get into Japan and some of those other countries. Yeah. You know, and I was just reading an article in uh, Automotive News, which seems like an odd place to go for uh, ag news. But the a automotive little. industry, um, like agriculture, is truly global. And so they were they were talking about, of course, there's a lot of manufacturing plants in Mexico for cars. And so they've been watching the NAFTA renegotiation just about as closely as ag has. And uh, they had a conversation with uh, Benito Berber. He is the uh, senior Latin American strategist at Nomura Securities. And he said that Wilbur Ross, who is Trump's uh, secretary of commerce, has a very different tone when it comes to renegotiating this stuff than does President Trump. And uh, Berber said that Ross appears more focusing on improving NAFTA by tightening rules of origin, which, you know, kind of makes me think in ag, think of cool a little bit, the country right. of origin labeling. Yeah, and um, that has been mentioned. Oh, interesting. And then, of course, he wants to add additional chapters on uh, trade that would be favorable to the U.S. in services and energy and that kind of stuff, rather than a deep revision of the, the treaty, which, uh, you know, apparently that has made Mexico a lot less concerned about renegotiation. We have to stay tuned because Mexico is our largest trading partner uh, when it comes to ag. NAFTA isn't going to be focused on Canada. Um, there's all, There was already a pre, pre-NAFTA trade agreement in place with Canada, so, you know, it's safe to say that Trade with Canada isn't going to be affected, but Mexico is really the one to watch here in the renegotiations. All right. And speaking of trade, Delaney, we had another piece of news following that story we reported yesterday about the raiding of BRF and JBS offices down in Brazil. So yesterday, China has temporarily suspended imports of Brazilian meat, and we've seen the same thing happen in uh, the European Union or excuse me, the European Commission, said that any companies found to be involved in the scandal will be denied access to that market as well. So we are seeing that fallout, but I haven't heard anything more on what those uh, raids have actually discovered. So far, it's uh, yeah. you know, just a lot of chatter. Right. Yeah, but that's a, that's a big deal to be locked out of some of the trade with the European Union. I mean, that's a large market as well. Right. I mean, both China and the EU. And then you kind of have to wonder, OK, if this Brazilian beef isn't going to go into those two markets, they're going to have to market way down. And you got to figure some of it's going to come here and they'll probably try to fill their quota a little faster, which. Right. Yeah. Oh boy. As as we've been on this nice little rally in the cattle markets domestically, boy, I and this is a biased opinion, but. As a person in the cattle industry, I'd hate to see a flood of Brazilian beef come to our shores. Who knows if that'll happen, but, you know, that's certainly one of the things that's in the cards since America reportedly wasn't uh, one of those countries that was being fed beef, 
handled poorly by those bribed inspectors. Exactly. That is true. But we'll have to get a market analyst on and have them answer those questions for us. Yeah, as more things come to light, we'll uh, we'll be able to know a little bit more what's happening there uh, coming out of Brazil. Right. And switching tracks here a little bit, another big thing I think to watch here in the upcoming months, especially, is the Farm Bill for 2018. Right now, the current Farm Bill is set to expire in September of 2018, the end of the month there in 2018. And so as we move forward into further into President Trump's presidency, um, there'll be a few things to watch with that coming up, especially here in March and April. There's some subcommittees. They'll be setting farm bill hearings, uh, trying to lay some groundwork for what changes could come. So over the next couple of months here, I think we'll need to keep a close eye on that and see what we see coming out for the farm bill. Yeah, gosh, it's hard to believe we're already having that discussion again. It is. So in other news coming out of Washington, D.C., as it relates to trade, we did get word from uh, Robert Leitzer, who is President Trump's nominee for ambassador of the Office of U.S. Trade Representative. He uh, testified before the Senate Finance Committee today, and he told the panel, quote, I assure you we will prioritize agriculture. Now, I don't know exactly what that means, but uh, he is aware of the things that we have gained under NAFTA and uh, over the past 20 years. And he does seem like he wants to do what he can to preserve that while also making gains for the uh, manufacturing sector. So at least that's a bone in agriculture's direction, something to, uh, to be excited about, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And that's a look at today's news. Mike, do you want to give us some market updates for today? You know, I do want to give you the market updates, but after looking at the prices, maybe nobody wants to hear them. We, hey, cattle are still up, so... That's right. I guess I'm just looking at the grains right now. And, uh, boy, continued weakness, spillover weakness from yesterday. We had the May 2017 corn contract down two and a quarter, closed the day at 361 and a quarter. Deese corn down one and three quarters, closed at 384 and a half. Over in the Chicago wheat, May wheat was down three and three quarter cents at 426 and a half. Jumping over to soybeans, the May 2017 bean contract rose two cents. We climbed back up above that 10.01 and a half mark. And now let's jump. Oh, sorry, Novi beans. November beans up four and three quarters, closed at 9.98 and a quarter. We're getting close to pushing $10 there, which is pretty impressive given that huge crop potentially coming out of South America. It, exactly. That's what I was just thinking. Yep. And, you know, the trade has been very light this week. It's been volatile. Um, everybody's just kind of holding on to their pants, waiting to see what next Friday's quarterly grain stocks and uh, planting intentions reports are going to show. So we'll see where that goes in the grains as we get into next week. Right. And cattle are still up as well, even with GBS scandal going on. Right, right. The the world is still confident in American beef. As Delaney mentioned there, live cattle, April 2017, closed up a buck today at 119.9. April feeders closed up 17.5 cents at 132.62.5. And over in the lean hog market, we had April lean hogs down 65 cents to close the day at $68.100 even. Delaney, that's where we stand in the markets. But we have some other folks in this country today who are really continuing to battle challenging times, whatever the market does, don't we? We do, yes. And today we are going to hear from Tanner Nupp from southeast Iowa. He's a farmer over there, and he has been making trips to Ashland, Kansas, to help out the farmers in need. 
Well, Tanner, I'm sure many of our listeners want to hear the nitty gritty about Kansas, but first, let's just get to know you a little bit. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your background? I know you grew up on a hog farm in southeast Iowa, but tell our listeners a little bit more. Yep. I, uh, 21 years old and grew up, born and raised in Washington, Iowa, um, about 30 miles south of Iowa City. Um, we we uh, have seven hog buildings of our own that we contract uh, feed, and uh, we farm just over a little over 1,000 acres, um, all, all ourselves, and cash around here a little bit. Um, own... We own and operate eight semis on the road every day, um, just kind of hauling livestock and grain for local farmers, and uh, just kind of a basic farmer is what I'd call us, and, and love doing what we do. Who prompted you to go to Kansas and haul, what was it, hay and supplies down for them? Yep, so we've got, we were fortunate we have uh, two pretty big leaders in our county, Carol Horning and Megan Coakley. They kind of uh, got together with each other, and they just they made their own fund. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what it was called, but it was it was strictly dealing with the Kansas Fire Fund. I'm not exactly sure how they got hooked up with exactly Ashland, Kansas. Um, but anyways, that's that's beside the point. They hooked us up, and and um, from talking to them, they were had phone calls off the end of the hook. Um, what just what people want to donate, whether it's semis, whether it's uh, uh, for hauling or fencing supplies, or hay, um, milk replacer for uh, baby calves. It just, you name it, they had the phone ringing nonstop from, for about 10 days straight, just people wanting to donate, 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 which is super awesome. Um, I would say 85 to 90% of the people that called were right here from Washington County. Um, I would say a big, big reason um, for everybody wanting to donate is because they would, first of all, they just wanted to help. Um, and second of all, uh, we believe that, you know, it, it, the golden rule is treat others how you want to be treated. I guarantee if uh, something like this happens to our county or our state, there's going to be people from Kansas coming up and helping us. So, um, you know, it, it is a tragedy, but at the same time, you kind of, you're thankful for where you come from, from Iowa, but at the same time, we're grateful that we are able to help in such an awesome way. Um, and, you know, whether it's, uh, for me, just say fuel costs, that, that's little to nothing to go down there and be able to help others um kind of bounce back and make them smile versus make them grieve you bet tanner you went down to ashland how many times have you been down there yep i went down twice total went down once last week in the middle of the week and then i left uh, this past sunday morning again um for me it's uh if you want to make it a round trip it's about a 23 and a half hour round trip um the first time we did it in a round trip second time we went down um to uh to garner angus farm or ranch uh, had a wonderful time, great people. Um, we went down, and I'm glad we did. We went down to kind of talk to them to kind of know their background, you know, they, and, and I'd expect the same if they came up here. I don't want to go down there and not hear anybody else and not hear a story, you know. First time we went down there, we was kind of a cluster, you know, hey, just unload, thank you so much, we appreciate it, you know, we appreciate it, get out of here kind of thing. And second time they were like, holy cow, this is awesome, thank you guys for coming. All right, now we got on this ranch, and they told us about how their story, you know, and that's what was cool to understand. Um, you can see pictures, you can hear stories online, but until you talk to someone really face to face, that's where it's like, oh my goodness, they actually went through this. They actually, this is how it impacted them, and that was the cool part of things. So now, Garner Angus, they were one of the, the ranches burnt, right? That is correct. Garner had, um, they lost 
when I talked to one of the kids down there, they lost a little over 500 head of cattle themselves. Um, they lost 7,000 small squares of alfalfa. They lost over, I believe he said, somewhere between five and 700 uh, bales of hay, uh, big rounds, um, and a lot of acres. I don't know. I know how many he told me they got total, but I don't know of that how many how much they lost. But it was for them specifically, it was a big hit. Uh, but I mean, they're they're one of the bigger ranches down there. But at the same time, you've got the little small guys too that might have taken a bigger toll because they can't bounce back on what they have. You bet. So well, what what does the future look like? I mean, what was their how was their outlook going forward given all this devastation there at the Garner Ranch? Right. So they're. This is a funny story kind of for us. You know, being from Iowa, um, they have a 30% chance of rain Thursday. Now, many people from Iowa are going to laugh, okay? But to them, when they see 20-day forecasts of 0%, and then all of a sudden they see 30, they have, they, have life, they have life there. They have a chance. And so they told us, they said, anytime we see precipitation in the forecast, you know, we smile about it because, not to say they don't ever see it, but it's rare to come by. Rain is rare to come by in that specific area. So they, uh, they're they praying. They, all they care about right now is moisture to kind of dampen the ash, get it kind of out of here, get their minds scraped away, and as well as bring back green growth. You know, any any farmer that's going to seek green coming up out of their pastures or fields, you got to smile about it because, you know, you got a chance. So that's where, you know, true story is Thursday they have a 35 40% chance of rain. And they're smiling about it because they have a chance. Um, so other than that, um, you know, I've heard stories about the government not helping as much as they could. The insurance companies aren't going to react fast enough. That's one of those things that you just kind of got to go with the flow, and it's going to happen. You know, Mother Nature's the same way. It's either going to happen or it's not. So um, I think for them, they're just kind of on a positive outlook. It could have been worse. Um, they're thankful that they have their family still. They're thankful that they what they do have is is still in, in working mode, whether it's family members or pasture or cattle or, or facilities, you know, um, when you say it could have been worse, it really could have been. But looking at it, it's like, how could it have been? Well, think about it. You know, they, they're glad they lost 500 head of cattle versus one family member. So they've got a positive outlook at it. Now, Tanner, obviously this is a sensitive subject and a lot of people have been affected by this, but Tell us what you were seeing on your trip down there and once you got into Ashland. Absolutely. So when we went down, so I'll be honest with you, so the first time I got down there, I got there in dark. Uh, we, there's, there's lighted signs, fire damage ahead, use caution. Oh, we couldn't see nothing. Okay, so then when the, sun, when the sun came up, we're sitting at the feed. Ashland Feed and Feed is the feed store in Ashland. We're sitting there. And you look around, left, right, up, down, forward, backwards, it's black. And... What I kind of describe to people is like, okay, someone just burned off five acres of CRP. Okay, look at that and then times that by about 150 because that's all it was. You know, it was like a giant CRP fire that got out of control. And unfortunately, that's not what it was, but that's how I put it in perspective for people. Or on some cases, look at a freshly black plowed field, and that's what it was. So that's where it's like, uh, you know, until you actually see it face to face, you know, pictures do justice, but at the same time, they really don't because you can like, Oh, that looks bad. Well, yeah, a picture only shows a four by six inch screen, you know, try and imagine a hundred thousand acres, you know, and that's where it's like, Oh my goodness, that's a lot. So we saw burnt 
burnt pasture, um, fencing, fence, fences were all wooden posts. So, you know, you had five strand barbed wire, dangled, flattened, everything you could imagine. Um, we did see dead livestock. I mean, it, it, that is what it is. Uh, they had, they've had kind of not the issues, but they've been battling the government and the state of Kansas on how to get rid of the livestock that is dead. Um, the story I read is they can dig a hole. They can only put like 30 cows in a hole, but then also it can't be too deep because if it hits the water table, then you're going to contaminate the water table. And so they, it, unfortunately, it's just been one of those things that one leads into another. It's like, can we not just have peace, you know? And I know a farmer dug like a, a, a four foot wide by a 30 foot long hole, 10 feet deep. And the last like five feet, he hit a water table and the government came back in. The EPA came back in and said, fill it all in. You can't bury cows here. So it's like it's just one thing leads to another. Um, I talked to it. It just to put it in perspective, the the one young guy down at Gardner Angus, um, the owner got a phone call saying, "How can we help?" And all he could come back was saying, "I need more ammo, more ammo Jeez. to kill the cows that are injured." Mm-hmm. So they didn't even ask for hay. They didn't ask for money. They, they asked for ammo to put these cows out of their misery that were burnt. And so that's where that's when I was like, oh, boy, this is this is the real deal, you know. And so I, I'll, I'll post a video here and later this week and, and hopefully people can kind of share it and get it out there. And um, I took my drone down and flew flew, flew probably all 55, 60 acres worth. And so that's where it's like hopefully that can kind of put a perspective on this is the real deal. Um, they compare this fire to like the New Orleans Hurricane Katrina. And, you know, Hurricane Katrina victims are going to say, well, ours is worse. Well, put in perspective, you know, you, you, you didn't only lose lives, you lost cattle, you lost acres, you lost your life. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's unfortunate for the, the, um, the ranchers down there anyways. Now, Tanner, when you were down there on your last trip, what else, other than ammo uh, and hay, what else do, do folks need down there? How can Iowans continue to give are they still looking for fencing and uh, milk replacer that kind of stuff right so they're 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 in need uh, uh that uh, i guess their number one thing they would they are like would like to is creosote posts and wooden posts because you know just like you and i and anybody else is going to agree if you're going to rebuild something you want to rebuild it right um so the right way is i think i've seen you know they go two t posts and a creosote two t posts and creosote now keep in mind uh, pastures around here are, you know, an 80-acre pasture that, you know, fencing is, you know, not – it's a big deal to a farmer around here. But down there, Gardner Angus ordered, uh, after this fire, they already themselves ordered 350 miles of fence Jeez. because they had to have it. They couldn't wait for donations. They had to have it. Yeah. So, you know, that comes right out of their pocket. Um, insurance doesn't cover every, everything. The government's not going to cover everything. So that comes straight out of their pocket. Um, and, and like I said, 300 miles. Now, can, and when he's telling me all this, that I'm like, I can't even imagine walking a mile putting fence in, let alone 300. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. so I, I don't know. And they do all their own stuff. You know, they don't, they don't custom hire anything. They have employees that will do it themselves. So that's just one of them things. It's like they're, they're a personal pride business where we're not going to hire out because we, we got our own employees. We got to take care of, and they need work too. So, um, you know. It's a team effort down there. I'll tell you that much. Now, Tanner, yeah, you mentioned I, I, in the grand in the grand scheme thing, they need fencing supplies. 
Okay. So. Tanner, you mentioned your drone video. Um, where can our listeners find that? Are, is it going to be posted on your Facebook and Twitter page? Tell us where we can find it. So I will. I have my my goal is to have it done later this week, Thursday, Friday. Um, it, it's looking right now. It's looking about going to be 15 minutes long. Anyways, I'll I'll post it on YouTube. YouTube likes to uh, distort my videos sometimes because of music in the background, which is okay. But I'll post it to YouTube. I haven't figured out a title yet. It'll it'll be Ashland, Kansas will be in the title. Um, but then I'll also post it to my Facebook page and then um, let, let people that are my friends share it out if they want to, and uh, we'll go that way. But I don't, I don't really – I'm not a guy that kind of like, hey, you need to watch this kind of thing. If people want to watch it, they can watch it. If they don't, they don't have to watch it. So I'll post it to YouTube. I'll tag myself in it, and then I'll post it on Facebook on my wall, um, and I'm sure you guys will see it, share it, whatnot for the listeners. Um, but that's, that's kind of my, my take to it. Um, it'll, it I don't, like I said, I don't know a title yet. I'm going to try and come up with something. But Ashland, Kansas will be on the title, that's for sure. You got any other plans to head down there? I haven't yet. Um, we've been, you know, with I, the, I went at a prime time where we're right before harvest or right before planting season is going to start. Um, we actually are just starting tillage yesterday and today. So I might not actually get an opportunity down, but I know I'm still, I'm still going to try. And I know I had a, a couple phone calls yesterday say, hey, we got some hay. Do you know somebody will truck it? So. On the fact of that, I'm am I done helping? No, not at all. I'm still looking for trucks. I'm still looking for hay. I'm still looking for fencing supplies for other people to haul. Um, now I kind of step back as the transportator. I'm just kind of like I'm just trying to help line some things up so other people can go. I know there's many people out there that want to make the trip down just to see it, and they're like, "Hey, how, what can we take? Can we take something?" Well, yeah, I got plenty of stuff to take. I just need, um, you know, not to say drivers, but I need I need uh, transportation. And I know there's quite a bit of hay to, that still wants to be donated. Um, and, and I know there's people out there that want a truck, but they don't have hay to donate. So that's where it's kind of like I'm just kind of stepping back as the actual guy that's going to go down. I'm going to step back and be the guy that kind of helps coordinate some things. Put the pieces together. Absolutely. Obviously, this was a big effort. Tell us what it was like to be part of this movement helping the farmers in Kansas. To put it, I don't even know if you can put it into words because of what you experience, what you see, what you feel the ranchers down there that are going through. Um, we talked to the uh, co-owner of the feed mill the day, the first time we went down there, and she kind of told us where to go. Um, you know, for the, I, I kind of said, what's the worst place in this county to go look at? And she told us. Then by golly, she was right. You know, um, there's good spots that you don't really, you're like, oh, there's no fire here. But again, then there's bad spots that are like, oh, my goodness, what just happened here? Um, so to put it in perspective, I don't think there's a whole lot of words besides I'm thankful for where I come from. I'm thankful that I could actually help them because in an unfortunate situation, if something happened back here, I guarantee they're going to be one of the first ones to come help us. Right. we got to look out for each other in this business. Absolutely. I saw somebody that says, why do we need the media when ag has ag back? Well, unfortunately... It's kind of true because this is not this event has not been covered in the media at all. That's true. Outside of outside of ag media, yeah, I mean it's it's hard to yeah. find in the pages of the paper or on the national news. Absolutely. Yeah, you're exactly right. Exactly right. So, 
Well, Tanner, I think uh, we'll let you get back to work and uh, just really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and appreciate you taking the time to, to go to Kansas and, and lend a hand. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys reaching out to me. Thank you, Tanner. Have a good day. You, you too. Thank you. Bye, buddy. Well, we really thank Tanner for coming on the show, and everybody do stay tuned. We will post a link to Tanner's drone video above Ashland. When that comes out, we'll post that to our Twitter feed at Ag News Daily. And I do want to encourage all of you, as you download our podcast from iTunes, do do rate us. Give us, uh, hopefully, four or five stars, whatever the most is. And uh, that just helps us get a little more traction there in the iTunes store, and uh, we really appreciate it. Delaney, what are you thinking? I think that sounds great. And also, don't forget to hit subscribe so you know when we drop our podcasts. Yesterday, a little late. We had a lot going on. But, you know, we're going to try to shoot for afternoons each day. But, you know, if you subscribe, you'll know exactly when they're on there. And you know what, folks? Uh, Delaney is being modest. Yesterday, I had the duty of editing. And <laughs> it turns out I am not nearly as adept with computers as Delaney is. So that was why it was late, and that was why a false one was posted, because I don't really know what I'm doing. Well, Mike, you are not in the millennial generation of technology, so I think we can forgive you. Well, sadly, I am a millennial. Technically, usually it's from... Really? Uh, yeah, usually it's from, what, 1980 to 2000, our millennials? I don't know. They're, it's gray where they start and end, right. but you're right at the... Right at the tail end i guess of it aren't you yeah i am and if i am a millennial i'm not a very in tune millennial <laughs> but i do know a few things and one of the things i do know is that you are going to want to tune in tomorrow i mentioned this yesterday but i'm very excited we will be talking to chip flory host of market rally radio on our program tomorrow so we're going to get uh, get a little in depth with chip we're going to learn about his background what got him into market reporting and uh Get his kind of big picture thoughts. What does Chet? Uh, what does Chip see going forward? And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So that's tomorrow, Delaney. What do we have going on on Thursday? On Thursday, we're talking to Lauren Schwab. She is a hog farmer in Ohio, and she's a young millennial involved in the media world as well. So she had the opportunity to go to Washington this week, and we're going to hear from her. Perfect. It's great, or at least from my perspective, it's great that other people are willing to go to Washington and work on Ag's behalf because, you know, I don't have much interest in doing that. I just want to cheerlead those that do. <laughs> well, hopefully she'll have some good news for us. Hopefully she will. But in the meantime, we encourage all of you to uh, be safe, be careful, and uh, enjoy the first day of spring. <laughs> <laughs>